You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hello, everyone. Yes, this is Dave Rubenstein with a special edition of the What the Dev podcast, as we have the run-up to the low-code, no-code developer day event happening on April the 13th. So with me here today is Jason Barris. He's Senior Vice President of Developer Tools at Infragistics. How you doing, Jason? Great. How's it going, David? Good. Good to see you again. I know we go back so many years and we were yes. just talking about that <laughs> earlier, but it's nice to see what's, uh, what's happening in the market. So yep. uh, one of the things we uh, want to talk about, obviously, is the fact that low-code space is picking up uh, uh, in activity. There's a, a lot of people looking for tools. Uh, developers now finally seem to be on board with this. It's still kind of an evolving space. So just give me your impressions of where you're seeing the market uh, uptake uh, and and how uh, companies are using these tools to, to get things done. Yep, sure. So I think uh, since we spoke last year uh, around this topic and what we've seen in the market over the last few years is there's, there's interest in low code. Uh, no code tools. Development teams are a little bit afraid of them. Like, hey, I don't. What does this mean to my job? But what we're seeing more and more, uh, more consistently, is that developers are excited about tools like this that are going to augment their capability, not take away from their uh, innovation, from their capabilities. It'll allow. It'll help them deliver faster. Mm-hmm. So we do um, at Infragistics. We have a low code tool called App Builder. We do webinars. Um, basically every week uh, we do YouTube live sessions and we get a couple few hundred people to come to these events. And we always ask the question, do you think this will help you? And a hundred percent of people say yes, where, you know, it's not like 30% saying yes. And, you know, some people saying maybe or no, it's like, yeah, I see value to this. This can help me. It'll help me deliver faster. And maybe I can move on to something cool besides the same code that I've written over and over again, or try to be a master at CSS where a tool can just automate that better. Right. Really interesting. So what was it do you think that finally won over developers? I know when low code first came out, they were very nervous that, oh, here's another thing that they want to do to take my job away. Yes. Uh, where, where did you see that tipping point where they kind of bought in and said, hey, this, this actually can help me and, and won't hurt me? I think there's probably two areas. One area that we're hyper-focused on is that whatever you build in our low-code tool, you will get production-ready code that even your best developer would say, you know what, we can use this. We don't have to rewrite it. It's not spaghetti code. So we're delivering Blazor, Angular code. Uh, We're working on React and Web Component code now. So that's like one area where developers feel comfortable that this is actually going to be useful for me. And then the other area is maybe tools that don't deliver code, but they do deliver a user interface and connectivity to some data source that I don't want to become a master at some weird data source, but it did it automatically. And I can deliver a CRUD app maybe internally in a few hours where it might take me three weeks to build the same thing by hand. So I think there's a couple of tracks there that make tools like this relatively interesting to development teams and especially development managers who don't want like, you know, A plus high, highly uh, priced uh, developers just writing the same code or debugging code that maybe could have been automated and remove bugs from, you know, what gets output. So uh, that, that's where we're seeing a little bit of a pickup and I think more interest in these areas. Right. Now, looking at it from the quote unquote citizen developer standpoint, yep. 
I know at the beginning of the, of the conversation about low-code tooling, they were saying, well, this is something that those people are asking for. They're younger, they're familiar with coding, they kind of have some sense of being able to look at either HTML or some other kind of code and understand it. Uh, do you see it now, organizations instead of people who might not be as willing to use those kinds of tools that, hey, you're going to have to learn this if you want to keep up with things or... Yeah, I think there's always, you're always going to have in every organization and even at Infragistics, it's the same way. There are people that don't want to wait around for IT to deliver. They know they need something. It can improve like the output of their sales or marketing department or their IT department. Now, even the guys in like the internal systems part of IT that usually don't have developers have always created their own little Python hacks for things. But now if I'm like a, an A player, and I'm highly motivated to do new things and move my department ahead, I can pick up these tools even without having the blessings of IT necessarily. So for example, let's say you have Salesforce. I can go in there and muck around with Salesforce Lightning and build something and no one has to know about it until I deploy it, right? I don't need permission. It's still connected to Salesforce data, but it can move my department ahead because it's helping with some automation or some stuff that we need to get done. So I think more and more, we're gonna see these tools used. And I I do believe in what Gartner and Forrester are saying. You know, They're like, hey, by 2025, if you're not using these tools, then you're behind, you know? Sort of like 60, once you see this 60, 70% of development teams or companies are deploying low-code tools, you're like, wait a minute. We're like, it's sort of like digital transformation. We've been hearing about it for years. Right. If you're if you weren't doing it three years ago, you were already behind, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that these things have become more um, uh, prevalent in organizations and there's going to be different flavors of them that are truly for citizen developers. There are some that are for developers. There are some that are for design development teams and um, they'll all deliver some level of productivity on the output, which is really save time, save money, deliver backlogs faster. Don't slow teams down, et cetera. Right. Are you seeing companies trying to differentiate between being a low-code tool and a no-code tool? Is, is that a real thing? Because uh, a lot of times you'll hear people will say, well, it's no-code, but then if you, you know, you still need to get it the final 10% of the way or something like that. So Yeah. So that's why our product at Infragistics, it's called App Builder. It's a low-code tool. I think in like three or four years, it'll be a no-code tool uh, because eventually we're going to remove all the code you need to write. But I also think today, and, and I've said this a few times, um, it, it depends on what the marketing department of that company wants to use to define what low-code and no-code mean. So even at Microsoft, they consider Power Apps a low-code tool. Power Apps, as far as I'm concerned, is a no-code tool. I can build whatever I want with that thing and deploy it and I'm done. And it's not delivering that production-ready code. It's delivering code. You can use it now, but it's not like it's not what a developer would write, but it's still something I can modify. You know, what we're doing with App Builder is we're producing screens with data binding, with layout that's responsive, with routing, navigation, events. And we're we're actually our goal is to deliver Blazor code. Our goal is to deliver Angular code that you can use right away. So I think it it really does depend on the tool and the company. There are some amazing no-code tools out there that can basically do tons of stuff. You know, you look at a company like OutSystems, I mean, that's a no-code tool. That thing is amazing. Now, they might say, hey, we have low-code, but I look at that as no-code because they have 
templates. They do all the data connectivity right to my deployment. And I don't have to have a developer involved at all. But with, with Infragistics, our product, you really do need a development team to kind of do that last 10%. But the 80 to 90% we save a development team can from actually building by hand could be like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of time saved. So right. yeah, it's interesting how it's categorized by, by company almost. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Infragistics tooling. I know you have the uh, design to code tool yep. and, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about App Builder as well. Yeah, so so the App Builder um, was a product that we've had in the market now for probably uh, about a year and a half. Before that, we had strictly something that was designed to code. And then we evolved it into this App Builder thing, which is more developer focused. But the cool thing is, is now we cover like both sides, the developer and the design house with App Builder, where you can have your design team working in Adobe XD, um, in Sketch, in Figma, and those designs will translate to our common model, which shows up in the App Builder, and then you can modify it more, you can do whatever you want, but ultimately you're getting real production-ready code. So we're trying to say, hey, enterprise design team, you have rules in place, you have design systems in place, we're going to flow into that, allow you to keep using the tool that you love. And then when you do that handoff, like that developer handoff, where a lot of times this is where bugs occur, developers can't really reproduce what design teams built. Uh, we've smoothed that out uh, significantly where that design can go right into uh, our app builder and developers can take that. They can generate code. They can continue to work on it. Um, maybe they continue to prototype with it. But the idea is not excluding designers, not excluding developers, bringing those teams together because in the enterprise, that's really, really important um, where they do want to have rules in place uh, to deliver applications that fit the guidelines of of the organization and design teams are setting that. So we're trying to marry the best of both worlds. We think that the future of low code is really around uh, unbelievable user experience and Nine times out of 10, that's going to start with a design team, a UX team that's really focused uh, on that area of um, getting looping customers in, customer feedback and things like that. Right. Interesting. Uh, You know, one of the things that we were uh, talking about before the call is, um, you know, kind of the the whole state of the component market uh, where we were saying that, uh, you know, with the offerings now that the cloud providers are giving uh, it's become a market of kind of, okay, it's good enough as opposed to best of breed yep. is I think how you put it prior uh, to the conversation. Yep. Uh, do we see any of that with uh, low code tooling as well? Like are those applications simply good enough or are those really, you know, production ready, high quality applications? So that's a great point. There's So in, in our space with like something like the app builder, People will compare us to some open source tools and some other things, but once you once you get like to that one layer underneath where, oh, maybe they're not really producing code or they're producing code snippets or the layout isn't responsive or you know, whatever, there's always these little caveats in in every little tool. So I think there's gonna be some that rise above. I think that again in five years, maybe a little bit more, every every major cloud vendor is going to have a tool. Either they're going to use App Builder and embed App Builder into their tool, or they're going to have other tools that they've built to accelerate the development of whatever their cloud is. So I think these tools are going to mature. 
I think there is no doubt um, people doing more in certain areas today, like Infragistics is really focused on high quality code output to augment development teams. Uh, but at the end of the day, if a company can save money by not having developers write code that is error prone and buggy, they're all looking at, at tools like this, I think, you know, no matter what they are, um, to kind of just deliver faster and reduce cost. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned uh, also Blazor a little earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, we were talking earlier. Uh, Blazor's hot. Yeah. So w- what are you seeing about Blazor that could be perhaps breathing some new life into that uh, component market? Well, I'll give you an example. If I post a, a video on, you know, Angular, it'll get, you know, a thousand views. If you post a video on Blazor, it'll get ten thousand views. Wow. Right. So it's it's just amazing the interest in Blazor. There is a enormous market of .NET developers, and they are all either trying to do something they're not comfortable with, like go to Angular, React, Vue, uh, jQuery. Uh, they're maybe doing Windows Forms WPF still. They need modern web. I think Blazor is the perfect on-ramp for any .NET developer to deliver amazing experiences in modern web. And uh, and so I think it's it's definitely uh, massive interest at Infragistics from customers and prospects on Blazor. And the fact that App Builder kind of flows into delivering Blazor code where Hey, I can do this beautiful app and beautiful layout, and it delivers Blazor. It's saving me like you know eighty percent of the time. Um, you know, we see Blazor as a huge opportunity, and we're really excited because of the interest uh, in the last. You know, we saw interest last year, but ever since the .NET six release, and I think we're going to see the same bump with .NET seven in November. Blazor as a framework keeps getting better, and it just drives more people to to look at it and to take it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All right. Um, so I just want to tell the folks listening that Infragistics, of course, will be a, a sponsor of the Low Code, No Code Developer Day. And if you come to the conference, they will have a lot of uh, white papers and other collateral information and materials that you'll be able to download from their uh, booth, their virtual booth at the virtual event. Uh, and we hope that you'll join us there and learn more about Infragistics. Jason, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Yep. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Well, try to stay warm there in freezing cold Michigan, but uh, (laughs) thank you. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you very much. All right. And to everybody who's listening today, again, I'm Dave Rubenstein, editor-in-chief of SD Times. So long for now.